the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. This is Wednesday, January 28th. I'm Kieran Hancock and on this week's show we'll be reviewing Silicon Docs, a newly published book that tells the story of Dublin's rise as a global tech hub. The book was co-authored and edited by my Irish Times colleague Pamela Noonan, who joins me in studio. Also on the line is Barry O'Dowd, Head of Emerging Businesses in the IDA. We'll start with you, Pamela. You're very welcome. Thanks, uh, The story begins on Barrow Street in 2004 with Google. Tell us more. Well, I think the story begins in Silicon Valley, actually, uh, in 1939, when uh, William Hewlett and David Packard set up HP, and they set that up in their garage, and that would go and become the birthplace of Silicon Valley. And then almost 60 years later, in another garage, not too far away, um, Sergey Brin and Larry Page set up what would become the internet search giant Google. And that would become the founding father of Silicon Docs when it moved to Ireland in 2003 and then down to Barrow Street in 2004. And it is now basically the kingpin of the Silicon Docs area. They have more than 2,500 employees in the area. They uh, have bought four buildings in the area, spending more than 250 million. And as recently as today, they acquired another building for 13 million. Yeah, just to contextualise it for people, it, it's the South Docklands in Dublin, pretty much around Grand Canal Square, is that right? Yeah, it is. So um, the Silicon Docks area is uh, Grand Canal Dock, basically in Grand Canal Square. But, you know, they are starting to kind of move down the Grand Canal and down the River Liffey as well and cross over the other side of the Liffey um, because there's a lack of space in buildings there. Barry, maybe you could tell us the story of Silicon Docs, how it came uh, to be that this, this area has flourished as a, me- as a social media hub, if you like, over the past decade or so. Sure. I think it, what's really interesting about it is, um, as Pamela says, the way the thing has, has, has spurred out really from the actual centrepiece of the docks itself and um, is now sort of penetrating down around the city. And, um, of course, Google was, was one of the first and... Um, they, you know, the reference back to Hulish Packard is, is, is hugely relevant to this because um, the tech industry in Ireland goes back a lot earlier than this. But we were very lucky to have the likes of Hewlett Packard here in Ireland already and our Oracle and Microsoft and some of the early sort of movers that came in, Intel, etc. Mm. So when it came then to the era of the social media companies coming in um, and the born and the Internet companies in particular, we had a very good reference cell in terms of the reference base that we had here of international companies. So that was crucial to the whole process. But having said that, the decision that um, Google made to go down to the Docklands was quite sort of inspired at the time. And of course, they were they were following the arteries of transport, and you know they loved the idea that they were there sitting along the, the railway line. The tradition up to day, up to that point hadn't it been, had been for tech companies to kind of locate themselves in suburban industrial parks. Yeah, very much so, out in the periphery of the city, and um, and then with this new generation of tech companies, it was very much the the, the social companies were also looking for sociality and they want to be part of the the buzz of the city so that's what we've found with the the follow-on companies as well that the the magnet of this social uh, piece of the city the cafe society piece is very important to the whole thing and they also want to be sitting on the doorsteps of the 
colleges and the universities and of course Silicon Docks is right on the periphery of Trinity College uh, in, in that particular case so you know it all worked very well in terms of transport hubs, education hubs mm. and then the city itself so the whole thing is built out very significantly in a very short period of time so we have you know the who's who of the born and the internet companies now all located together and they're all hoping together so you have this tremendous clustering impact that's happening and uh, and that's all working together. Barry, tell us when the IDA spotted this trend in social media and how you went went about attracting the likes of Google to Ireland. Yeah, I think that, you know, yeah, yeah, you had around the two thousand period you had the you know, you had the bomb that hit with the dot bomb and uh, that was this a big shake out bubble of course. Bursting. The bubble burst mm. and of course that was a big shake out and whatever. So, you know, just then immediately after that, then, you know, you had bubbling up the other companies that we could see that were going to be the ones that were coming through. So um, it, it, it was a period of, of flux back then. And you know, we were very inspired, I think, and we were very lucky with some of the, the people that we had in IDA at the time. Some of them are gone now and have moved on. But, you know, they sort of they had great inspiration in terms of picking the ones that were coming through all of that. And uh, thankfully, Google was one of them. And, uh, you know, it has led then to successive ones thereafter. But in relation to that, I think what a really important piece of all of this as well has been that you've had this sort of continuity in terms of some of the people that came with the early movers and then they have moved on to other companies and, and, and gone to much bigger and greater jobs since. You know, the likes of Cheryl Sandberg, for instance, she would have been part of the team that came in originally with Google with with Google and then subsequently ended up with Facebook and that sort of thing has has been something that is is quite has manifested itself through a lot of the investments but there's great continuity there and even today if you go to you know a company like Adroll for instance where Marius heading up Adroll there now in in just off the canal there in Burlington Road and a company that's growing very fast Marius himself came from the Google stock as well so that, that that's a that's a very important piece of this that that um, you have the spawning of a tremendous wealth of middle management and senior management talent that have been able to bring the succeeding companies along. And you see that, you know, with LinkedIn as well, with the, mm. the head, head people there in LinkedIn, and, you know, the, the story goes on. Pamela, there were also policy decisions taken by government and uh, ironically the setting up of the Dublin Docklands Development Authority, which has since become much maligned for its role in the Irish Last Bottle site and so on, uh, and the crash. That was one of the key decisions taken by the government at the time, wasn't it? Yes. So at the time, it was around 1996, the government had seen the success of the IFSC and how well the IFSC was doing. And um, Grand Canal Dock, a lot of it was just industrial wasteland. And especially the area between Sir John Rogerson's Quay and Hanover Quay, like that was, you know, a former gasworks and it was just all derelict. And they felt, you know, something had to be done to done it up and maybe they could, you know, create another kind of hub like the IFSC. So he commissioned a task force to, you know, see what could be done. And the recommendations of the task force would be that the Dublin Docklands Development Authority be set up and that they redevelop the area and they decontaminate the area. So it's good for building on. And that was debated in the Dáil and signed into law really quickly. And the Dublin Docklands uh, Development Authority was set up. And they, their first uh, job that they did was they bought the former gasworks site and they set about decontaminating it um, from all the gas. They had to dig out a big, uh, all the soil in the area and put a big wall around the area, clean all the water, everything. 
And they thought um, it would cost around 40, 50 million and that they would actually only get that back. But uh, luckily, the property prices were rising and they ultimately got back over 300 million. So they were able to invest that into the rest of the area. And they, you know, did things like Grand Canal Square and try to create an 18 hour workday as such because they wanted people to live and work. Cultural institutions in there and and shops and cafes and restaurants yeah. and so forth. And I guess the most important thing is as well is one lesson that they had learned from the IFSC is a lot of people who had lived in the area of the IFSC and um, when that was being built ultimately when it became a big success all the locals in the area felt very excluded that they couldn't partake in all those businesses or work there you know and everything was very expensive and so they tried to take that into account when they're you know building kind of all the Grand Canal dock area and they consulted all the locals and everything and you know, tried to do a lot of social initiatives and have them partake in everything. Barry, how come the this hub was set up in the Docklands, the South Dublin Docklands, as opposed to the digital hub, um, which we all heard about in, in, in Ireland uh, many moons ago and it was established down near the, near the uh, Guinness Brewery in St. James's Gate? Yeah, I think that what you, you know, what you're seeing is that an actual coming together of both of them now. Actually, I know there's great connectivity between them, and um, whereas the digital hub was very much built around the local industrial base. Now, we ourselves, with some of the overseas companies, did bring quite a number of overseas companies into the digital hub, but you wouldn't have seen anything of the order of the influx that you've seen into the Grand Canal Dock area. So that's, that sort of is happening now that both of them are working together. And I think that myself, that if you look at Smithfield and what's going to happen with the whole uh, new college going in there uh, from DIT, that's going to change the whole spectrum down there. But a very important thing that's happening with the digital, uh, with, with the, with the um, dock area now is that it has been designated as a strategic development zone. So this SDZ uh, designation for that whole area is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be, game changer over the next couple of years. So you have a whole master planning exercise that's taking place now and what what you're beginning to see is a big influx of interest from uh, investors from the property market to come into the um, STZ area which is a specifically designated area in the Silicon Docks region and um, that will have um, planning uh, processes going with it that will fast track a lot of planning procedures. So so I think that's going to be hugely important in the whole thing. So you know you're going to you're going to see Smithfield at one end and the digital hub uh, uh, migrating right into the um, the docks area. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life, September 2014. Pamela, NAMA actually has control of a lot of the SDZ area. What's going to happen? 
So they are going to pump €3 billion Euro of their own money uh, into developing the area. They've already applied for planning permission for a Bolin's mill and they want to develop that into a multi-storey building with a lot of offices, apartments, retail space. And they basically want to turn uh, the Grand Canal Dock, Silicon Docks area into the equivalent of London's Canary Wharf or Singapore's Marina Bay. Right. Barry, Google are still buying up buildings on Barrow Street. Yeah. Is that trend going to continue? Well, I think that what you're beginning also to see now is that uh, the other companies are doing likewise. You know, the, the serious investment has been made by LinkedIn. They're, they're, I just I was on their site yesterday where they have um, opened up their new site to build their new headquarters, European headquarters, not far from there. Facebook themselves have made huge investment in terms of the space that they're taking up and have added to that in terms of additional space. And um, similarly, there's a, there's a number of the other ones like Airbnb are sort of very, very well sort of uh, built out in terms of the space that they have. And you can expect that some of these will, these other ones will, will move and grow. And um, ones that have graduated recently out of the river area in Rogerson's Key, would, examples would be square space for for instance, they've just gone up now up on, on to Drury Street's end of town and um, are going with a complement of 100 and over just over 100 people with them. So you're seeing this spawning effect and them growing out of buildings and growing, thankfully, in a positive sense. And um, there's, a, there's a great nucleus of names and companies there now that um, I think that the, the trend is going to continue. And as the university, uh, from Trinity's point of view, builds itself into the region as well, that's going to be hugely significant because they themselves have been acquisitive in the property um, arena and uh, you can see them building out as well. So, yeah, I think you'll see more of it. Uh, Pamela, there's a lot of space on the North Dock lands. Will Silicon Docks migrate northwards, do you think? Yeah, I think it might as well. There's already like a little... Um, there's already companies going over there and companies, you know, in the North Dock lands. Um, there's a good few startup companies that have expanded into uh, just over the river. I can't remember the name of the place, but there's a lot of startup companies there anyway. And uh, even companies, I think, such as Intercom and all of them are starting to be on the north side. Yeah, yeah and there's a few very nice overseas names to add to that, like HubSpot, for instance, out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. They're just north of the, the river across from uh, the bridge uh, beside the, um, the, 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 the new uh, exhibition centre and conference centre. Log Me In is also on that side of the river. Um, Etsy is one that is recently um, on the move. They're, they, they've set up originally uh, in the uh, digital hub, but they're moving on to the north side of the river. So I think you're seeing that sort of thing permeate in terms of uh, the joining up of the north side. It, it's a little bit slower, but it's happening. And Barry, this Silicon Docks name or brand, if you like, I mean, is it is it really associated with Ireland? Does it, does it really resonate uh, across the world? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting one. It seems to have really caught on, and uh, people are relating to it. And, of course, the Web Summit has been fantastic in that regard in terms of getting the word out there, and that's, that has helped to build the brand, really, because the amount of interest that's been shown in, in Ireland and in Dublin in particular in the web space because of the Web Summit, and um, those guys have done a great job in promoting Ireland, and the, the Ducks has come alongside that. So it's been... a, a a nice coincidence there 
that both have come together. But you, know, you have Silicon Roundabout in London, and then you have Silicon Alley, and you have Silicon Valley, and now you have Silicon Dock. So it's 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 kind of a world brand, really, the Silicon bit. And uh, people kind of tend to relate to wherever the piece of action is. And in our case, in Dublin, is the Docks, the Docks piece that's really catching on I'm gonna, I, know, I know you're a fan of uh, the web summit and it does feature in your book tell us about it uh, so I think the web summit has played a huge role in like legitimising the tech scene in Ireland they've helped bring over a lot of companies to Ireland and they've also you know attracted you know the founders and CEOs of a lot of tech companies who for the first time they would have seen Ireland would be when they come over for the web summit so I think they've played a, a huge role in you know uh, making Dublin really well known throughout the world as a tech hub. People come from all over. And even just in the media, sure, the last Web Summit in November 2014, there was over 1,100 journalists from all over the world came, which was more than came when the Queen of England was here. Yeah. Barry, this has obviously been a very positive story for Ireland over the past decade or or so. But in the foreword to the book, uh, successful Irish tech entrepreneur Barry O'Sullivan voices three major concerns that he has about the future development of the sector here. One of them is the low level of R&D by multinationals here. The likes of Facebook, Google and Twitter don't actually build their own software products in Ireland. He sees that as a weakness that needs to be corrected. What's the IDA doing about that? Yeah, he's, you know, it's probably a fair comment. And um, what you're seeing is a, a big move from the um, companies that are here now in the direction of setting up R&D functions. So, you know, when you look at the likes of Intel, for instance, they have a very significant um, R&D function here. And indeed, one of the most recent uh, chips that they have developed, the Spark chip, has come out of their entity here in in Dublin. So um, that's happening. And Citibank down on the river itself, they've got an R&D function down there as well. And so it's, it's, it's happening with many of the companies and it's something to be encouraged. There's a lot of incentivization there to encourage them and there's a lot of incentivization from Science Foundation Ireland as well to encourage them in the direction of participating with the universities. So I think you're, you're going to see more and more of it and um, you know, the, 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 the bigger names are doing it and what we need now is to get more of the, the, the newer names into the arena of participating in research here. Pamela, another of the problems identified by Barry O'Sullivan was that of Irish venture capital funds needing to be replenished to provide some more money for startups here. He suggests that some of the money in the state's Ireland Strategic Investment Fund, which used to be the National Pension Reserve Fund, uh, should be used for this purpose. What do you think? Yeah, I think it could be a good idea. Like definitely over the years and decades, like venture capital has been what has driven both Silicon Docks and Silicon Valley forward. Um, A lot of the big firms, even ones like Google and Twitter, never made money for a very long time. So if it weren't for venture capital invest venture capital firms investing in them, they wouldn't have been able to expand. So venture capital has a huge role to play. Um, We have had a lot of American venture capital firms come into Ireland in recent years, so that has helped boost things a lot. So there's a lot of money coming from abroad. And Um, now that we're out of the bailout, I guess we're more attractive as a proposition for investment. Yes, we are. But I think, uh, you know, there's it's not just venture capital. We need to think about entrepreneurs investing their own money into startups and we have problems with the capital gains tax there, you know, that needs to be changed because they're not incentivized incentivized if they exit one business to invest all their money in another business. Yeah, Barry, I was going to come to you on that, actually. Yeah. O'Sullivan argues that Ireland has an uncompetitive tax rate. He's not talking about the 12.5% headline corporate tax yeah. rate, but more about income tax levels and capital gains tax. What's the IDA's view? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, we've always got to be competitive and uh, this is really important and we've always got to keep changing our, our gear in relation to tax uh, competitiveness. So as uh, some of our immediate neighbours like the UK have changed their regimes, we've got to be cognizant of that and we've got to sort of respond and respond positively. So a move like, for instance, the um, move in the direction of the Knowledge Development Box, which is under discussion at the moment, mm. that's very positive because what you've seen with the UK, as an example, they've had the patent box. And that is something that is also with the Netherlands and some other jurisdictions in Europe. But, um, you know, it's something that we don't have. And um, that that works very effectively for them. So the knowledge development box now that's under consultation, I think that would be a very positive move for Ireland. And you'll see a lot of good things coming out of it. And it'll open up new avenues for us. And certainly when it comes to the other personal tax, the capital gains tax and uh, taxes like that, it's something that, you know, our our, our government have to be cognizant of competition. And does closing off the double Irish, does that have any negative consequences or the fact that Apple is under investigation for a tax arrangement with Ireland by the European Commission? I think that that there's been, you know, there's been findings to the effect that there's been no negatives in terms of the moves by Ireland in that regard. It has worked very positively for us. And um, Ireland is seen as being one of the countries that's been very proactive and working very actively with the OECD in terms of um, innovations and moves in terms of modernising the international tax uh, regimes. So we're, we're in good stead in that regard. Pamela, project out 10 years, uh, how do you see Silicon Docs? Are we still going to see Google and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn here? Or are there going to be different types of companies located there? I think, I hope um, they're all still here, but I think there will definitely be loads of other companies as well. You know, we're moving towards the Internet of Things now and people, there could be companies there that uh, do fridges that order food for you. Who knows? I think it'll be a lot of things like that. And I think the idea is trying to attract a lot of companies right now to do with Internet of Things and data analytics. Um, But, you know, like all the companies that came here in the 70s, 80s, Apple, EMC, Intel, HP, like they're all still here and doing very well. So hopefully in 10 years time, uh, Google and Facebook and all them will still be here. And maybe we'll have a different name because back in the 90s, we used to be called Silicon Bog. And that's what everyone called us. And all the American magazines and publications would refer to Ireland as a Silicon Bog, saying it was the biggest, second biggest exporter of software on the planet. Now we're called Silicon Docs and we have the European headquarters of um, all the big kind of social media firms. So who knows, in another 10, 15, 20 years, we could have all the Internet of Things firms and have another new name. Barry, what's your view? Yeah, I think that when you look at the, 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 the litany of names that we have now, we're in we're in good place. You know, the likes of Zendesk, for instance, has just recently done an IPO in the US and it's been very successful for them. Marketo, another one that we brought into Dublin, they've done their IPO and it's gone very well. HubSpot that I mentioned earlier, they've just done an IPO. So you're seeing a lot of these nascent companies that are scaling, scaling very fast. And um, they're choosing Ireland as being a location to have a European headquarters um, as they scale their operations. So hopefully this is going to really uh, augur well for us as we move forward with some of those names. And we've got a great tradition behind us of um, success with them in terms of uh, you know, how, they're, how they're seen in the market. And it's not just even the ones that are doing the IPOs. You know, there's ones that have been acquired even since they came in. Examples of that would be Indeed.com, 
Uh, again, company at this stage now, they've over 150 people and they're now owned by a Japanese company, uh, Riot Games. They're doing really well here with the European headquarters operation owned by Chinese company Tencent. And what's augering well for them is the fact that um, since they've been acquired, the new um, acquirers are seeing the advantages of growing these businesses in Ireland. So that's that's a good a good sign as well on on, on the horizon for us. So I think that uh, you know there's a lot going for us, and it's great to see a company like Airbnb with over 350 people now in Dublin since they set up uh, down Rings End, and uh, they're there only 18 months, and you know that's that's highly significant in terms of the pace at which they're moving with. Sure, mind you, there are question marks over its business model uh, in particular countries. I know New York hoteliers aren't particularly enamoured with the way Airbnb is going about its its business and feel that uh, it's not properly licensed and um, and so forth. Is, is that going to be a problem down the road for companies like that? Well, I think uh, no matter what jurisdiction companies are operating and what business they're operating, they're going to have to sort of comply with local regulations. So it's always something that companies have to be aware of, that, 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 that compliance is going to be essential for them. So. Okay, Pamela, you wrote a, a large chunk of this book yourself, but I know you had some co-authors and I, I know you'd like to reference them. Sure, yeah. Well, I, so I actually only wrote two chapters and uh, other people wrote the other chapters. And actually it was a great coming together of journalists from a selection of different newspapers. And often the new, different journalists and newspapers would rival each other, but we all came together to do this book. So there was J.J. Worrell, there was Philip Connolly, Emmett Ryan, Kira O'Brien, Joanna Roberts and Elaine Burke. Okay, the book is published by Liberties Press. It's priced at seventeen ninety nine and available in all good bookstores. Pamela, I presume it'll be available in ebook format. Yes, it is. Great. Um, so, good luck with sales. My thanks to Pamela Newnham and to Barry O'Dowd from the IDA. That's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to producer Sinead O'Shea and sound engineer JJ Vernon. Don't forget that you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.